Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I work to get my own home under control, I tell the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing like me. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is podcast number 38. If you want to find the show notes for this podcast, go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S. Scroll down, look for podcast number 38. Uh, if it's not there yet, then uh, click on see all my podcasts here and it will be there toward the top. Um, today I'm going to talk about excuse busting and decluttering paralysis. Um I talked about excuses last week in podcast number 37, and um, I'm the queen of them, so (laughs) I could go on and on with excuses forever, but I'm kind of basing this off a series that I did several years ago in October, um, where I wrote about one thing every day in October, and that was my lame excuses, so I'm kind of pulling a few of those and talking about them because there are things that come back to me over and over, and as I said last week, one of the issues for me was that they used to be reasons. Um, sometimes other people would give me these reasons because they are legitimate things that would stop me from doing something. It would just paralyze me, you know, and it was a reason why I, I'm just not going to do that. Um, so I kind of had to come to the point of being honest and saying, okay, this is an excuse. This is not a reason, even though I could argue it out. I could totally argue out how this would be a reason. Instead, it's actually an excuse and I need to get over that. And so I'm going to talk about several of those things. Um, But first, today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash slob. That's S-L-O-B. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Okay, so last week I talked about excuses. Here we go. Um... Decluttering paralysis. Decluttering paralysis is a legitimate thing. Like it's a, it's a real thing that people who are like me struggle with. Um, as I've said before, I tend to not see the in-between of a mess. Okay. I see, yay, my house looks perfect. It's great. Let's have a party and total disaster. And I don't tend to see what happens in the time that is between those, which is sometimes only like three hours or three days. Um, but that is part of what I've had to train myself over the past five years of working on this. And it's still a struggle for me is to see that incremental mess, see the mess happening. Um, but what will happen is when a mess gets really bad and I look at it, I think, okay, I can't do this. And it's just completely and totally overwhelm, overwhelming. And, um, and so that is, yes, it can, can be an excuse, but it's also a legitimate thing that really does happen. So I've had to work through um, my own personal way of, you know, getting through past the paralysis, you know, because paralysis just means that I don't do anything and then my house just gets worse and worse and worse. So um, I started thinking about this because I got a question from a reader and uh So I'm going to talk about that here. The question reader from the reader was, I have tons of clothes that need to be decluttered that are dirty. How do you justify slash handle washing cluttered clothes? 
it just doesn't seem to be a time justified task, but is causing chaos in the bedroom. Um, okay. So here's where we separate, separate out the normal people from the people who struggle the way that I do, because, um, I totally get this. Like this is something I have dealt with before several years ago. I wrote a post called, I wish I could just donate dirty clothes because that is the truth. When I go in to clean out a room that has, um, been going for a while and is extra disastrous, especially a bedroom, I find outgrown dirty clothes in my kid's room. And there is nothing that just sticks in my craw. That's a Texas saying that I don't really know what it means, but it kind of, you know, explains itself, but it sticks in my craw that I have to wash clothes just to donate them. But I do because you can't donate dirty clothes. Let's just all be honest and let's just say it. We won't donate dirty clothes because, you know, you just can. That's, that's ridiculous. So, um, I have to get past that. So the post that I wrote was just how I was irritated about that. Okay. But what this reader is asking, I totally, completely understand because I have felt that way, but it ultimately comes down to decluttering paralysis. That's what's really happening here. It's the, um, okay, I have this big old pile of dirty clothes that I know need to be donated. Okay. And yet I just can't justify the time that it's going to take. And for me personally, the reason it was extra hard to do that was that I also didn't have laundry under control. Okay. Now, one of the posts that I wrote this week was called the Laundry Day Club. And it kind of just came from a, um, a reader who had written in to say, these are all the reasons why I used to resist doing a laundry day, but then I finally did it. And it has totally changed everything for me. Um, I personally resisted doing a laundry day. I tried all the one load a day methods. I mean, I went through so many different things trying to figure out how to make one load a day work for me. It didn't. All right. It just did not work for me. And there's a whole podcast on that that you can go listen to. But, um, but this reader had talked about, you know, how she finally had um, accepted that she should try it. And then she tried it and has really changed things for her. And so I just went back and I found other comments from other people who have told me the exact same thing of, you know, why they used to not do it and then how they did it and how it's made such a huge difference for them. And I think that's partly just, you know, finding what works for your personality. And that's one of the reasons I share what works for me is because, um, you know, I have a different personality than the organized person who's actually going to think to change over the laundry every single day. Um, anyway, but that, you know, you can go read that one or listen to that podcast if you want more on that. But my point is, um, when you're overwhelmed with laundry, that already makes this an extra overwhelming thing to think of doing other laundry when you've got laundry that you need to keep under control in your house. So, my advice to her and my advice just on anything like this is to do the easy stuff first. Okay. Just do what's easy. And the truth is, as she said, you know, quote, it's causing chaos in the bedroom. There are too many clothes in the bedroom and that's overwhelming. And yet what is the thing stopping those clothes from leaving the bedroom? It's knowing that you have to, um, wash them before you can donate them. And then it's the idealistic thing in your head of this is ridiculous. I should be walking, washing something else when I've got all the, anyway, 
goes back to the idealism issue when I talked about reality-based decluttering, reality-based cleaning um, in a podcast a few times ago. And that is, I personally have to get over what I should do, what really should happen, and just say, okay, what is it going to take for me to get this stuff out of my house? So my advice to her was, and it's funny because she um, emailed me back after I'd sent her the email in a response um, and said she already does this, but it's, you know, still just making yourself do it. But, you know, for some people, for me, I'm a closed sorter. I have read like some actually pretty big organizing and cleaning bloggers who say they don't sort their clothes for laundry. I can't do that. Um, and it works fine for me to sort them because I do them all in one day. Uh, but there are a lot of people who do not sort their clothes. I mean, I think that clothes are different now than they used to be as far as they don't bleed as much, although I have clothes bleed on a regular basis. And so, um, I personally would not do this, but, but if it comes down to donating, you know, most of those clothes are old and they've been worn before. And so it's usually only in those first several washes that they're really going to bleed. Um, and so get those and wash them all in one load without sorting. All right. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not perfect, but if doing that is going to help you get over the issue of just not doing anything because you wish you could do it perfectly, um, then just go ahead and do that. And it's possible that something is not going to be as perfect when it comes out. But here's where I also say that I have had multiple donation places in my little old town where people are not that sophisticated. No offense if you live here, but you know, I'm not either anyway, but in my little town where we don't have the, you know, big brands, um, you know, Goodwill, Salvation Army and all that kind of stuff that's standard. Um, we just have much smaller scale donation places. Every single one has told me personally, we want your stained and ripped clothing which means if something comes out not as pretty as something else, I mean, maybe don't stick in the red item with it that you know has never been washed before. But if something comes out imperfect, it's okay. Because they sell those stained or ripped clothes. They sell those by the pound to rag makers. And so that is another way for these charities to make money. So that's just an excuse buster. It's like, okay, well, it needs to be perfect. Cause if I'm going to do no, Okay. Yes. It needs to be clean. I mean, let's just be honest. We don't want dirty clothes going, um, to a donation place, but go ahead and, um, wash it all together. If you want to, you know, there's those shout color catchers. I used those years ago. I haven't used them in a really long time. I linked to them on Amazon because I like to do that because that's how I call all this stuff. My you know, livelihood. But, um, when I went and looked on Amazon, they're pretty expensive. I don't know if they're that expensive in the store. I'd love to hear somebody's experience with that. But, um, but you know, if, if that would help you, okay, go, go buy shout color catchers and, um, stick them in the laundry so that they're not going to bleed everywhere. And so you can do it all in one. But my advice is stick it all in one big load. Don't do all your other laundry first, because the goal is to get that out of your bedroom. Because for me personally, I need to see that visible progress. And laundry is one of those things that you don't see as much visible progress. But if you're focused on decluttering the bedroom, when I'm focused on that, then I just have to do whatever it takes to get stuff out. So stick it all in one load, 
run it, put it through the dryer and take it straight out of the dryer into a bag, like a black trash bag that you're going to donate right then, you know, that goes immediately to the car after that load comes out of the laundry. It goes straight in there or in, you know, Walmart bags, whatever it is that you have. Stick it in there, take it straight to, um, to your car. And somebody, somebody had said it might've, might've been the reader, but I I don't remember. Somebody had said something about also, um, you know, I hate to fold those things. Well, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. You don't have to fold it perfectly. If it's going to go there, you don't want to wad it up and stick it in there. But at the same time, I mean, just taking it out and placing it in there, you know, half, you know, one fold over is going to be, it's fine. You know, I mean, perfection is, um, a struggle. So, okay. So that's, that's just one of the things. I mean, everything that is my biggest probably advice for anybody when they say, I just don't know where to start. I just don't know. Um, I I'm just paralyzed by uh, it's too overwhelming. It's that overwhelm that causes the paralysis, which keeps you from doing anything, which makes everything just get worse and worse and worse. I know this because that's what's happened to me many times. Um, but the key is to do the easy stuff first, do the things that don't need decisions. Okay. Um, sounded like the decision was already made. These are clothes that need to be donated. There's no like, okay, we need to hold this up. We need to try it on. You already know these need to be donated. Okay. So what does it take now that those are, the decisions already been made about those? What does it take to actually get those out of the house and do that? Because there's not decisions to be made there. Um, do the things that are, you know, the easy stuff means do the stuff that makes you go, well, duh. You know, that's one of the things I tell people, um, when they don't know what to do in a room is grab a black trash bag and just throw away trash because I often am amazed at how many things are just trash. They're just trash. Okay. There's stuff that, oh, well, yeah. I mean, of course that I need to throw that away. <laughs> yeah. But instead I was focusing on the things that, were, you know, giving me all this angst and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to make a decision about that. I'm going to figure that. Well, I mean, just start with the trash. And to me, what happens is visually the space becomes less overwhelming with everything that I get rid of. So when I start with the easy stuff, the stuff that was trash or the stuff that, well, yeah, of course I need to get rid of that. Get those things out of there because sometimes I think, well, I need to start with the hard stuff first instead of starting with that easy stuff because, you know, I mean the easy stuff, I I know what to do. So I will do that. We'll go ahead and do that. And then the space becomes visually less overwhelming. And then I'm able to, you know, have that energy and have that, um, momentum to get rid of the harder stuff. Other things that are easy are things that have a home somewhere else. Things end up in weird places in my house, like a life jacket in the master bedroom or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. I know where they go. And sometimes I look at it and I think, oh, well, I know where that goes. Okay, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, then go ahead and take it there right now. That's what I need to do. And then the space is that much better off and I'm willing to keep going. Okay. All right. So that was my advice on that question is just wash it all together. Just do loads of the things that you know for sure are going to be donated. Take it straight out of the dryer into donate bags, donatable donate bags, not things you're going to want back, and uh, go take it out to the car right then. Um, okay. Um, oh, here's another thing, too, on excuses. And this is kind of a random story, and it's something that 
<laughs> I feel like there needs to be a happy medium because I'm not quite comfortable with it. But I will say one of those things that was a light bulb moment for me was realizing that a lot of the people, I'm not going to say all, I'm not even going to say most, but a lot of the people whose homes are always clutter free and under control are ruthless pitchers. Like they ruthlessly get rid of stuff. My normal friend who, um, I have videos of her helping me clean out my master bedroom, you know, and I've talked about her before. She throws stuff away. And when she was in my master bedroom helping me, um, there were several things that she said, well, I would just throw this away. And she said, and I quote ish, it's been several years, so I don't remember exact words, but she basically said, anytime I'm cleaning and I come across something that I don't know what to do with it, I throw it away. And that was very enlightening to me. All right. She has a home that's clutter free because she just doesn't worry about throwing things away. Now, I do like to donate. I do like to recycle when I can. Um, So there is a happy medium, but I have to go, wait a minute. Her home is clutter-free the way I want it to be. So I need to be more ruthless. Whether that means, you know, I may not throw it in the trash. I'm going to take it, you know, and go do something with it now. You know, take it, stick it in the the bag and then take that to the car to drop off at the uh, wherever place. Um, You know, I also have a, a donate box in my house. Like I have a specific donate spot Generally, it has a box there because somehow we always end up with boxes. And my kids know, go stick it in the donate box. Okay. They immediately know where that is. But it's something that we do all the time. I don't know what, uh, okay, I'm just going to donate it. I'm just going to get rid of it. Okay. Instead of, I don't know what to do with it. So I need to just leave it sitting here until someday I'm going to have that moment to go, that's what I'm going to do with that. Because that's what I used to expect. I was like, well, if I don't know what to do with it, I might as well keep it. Instead, her philosophy is, if I don't know what to do with it, and it makes me, uh, 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 I don't know what to do, then I'm going to get rid of it. That's the answer to that stress over not knowing what to do with it. Her answer was get rid of it. Mine was keep it until I know what to do. And I'm moving much more now, after five years, toward the, okay, if I don't know what to do with it, I'm just going to get rid of it. Because... I like having less stuff in my home. I like having more space in my home. My home is so much more livable with less stuff. And usually I never miss things. Sometimes I do, but then I go, well, even though I miss it, I really like my home with less stuff in it. Okay. Um, other excuses. Okay. Here's one that I randomly ran across from that series several years ago. And it's something that I constantly deal with. And it's something I try to train my brain to do differently, but it's still a struggle and it probably always will be. Um, and that's one little old hanger on the floor is not worth my time. Okay. I have this warped sense of time and using my time wisely. I am kind of obsessive with not wasting time which serves me really well in certain areas of life. When I run a rehearsal, it's like an obsession of mine that we're not going to waste time, that we are going to start and we're going to get going and people are going to work the whole entire time. And if you're not on stage, then I'm going to give you a job to do over here so that, I mean, I am obsessive with the whole not wasting my time thing. But ultimately, sometimes that obsession wastes time in examples like this. Okay, so I see one hanger on the floor, and I used to think that I didn't see one. 
But now I've realized I do see one. I don't see two, four, seven, or 24. Okay, it's that incremental mess thing where I have the slob vision. But when I see the one, I think, well, it's not worth my time to bend over right now and pick up that one hanger. It's just one hanger. What's the big deal? I mean, I, you know. But then when it's 25, suddenly it's an overwhelming mess. So I see one and I see 25. I don't see the in-betweens. But when I see 25, then I think, oh, my word, look at all those hangers on the floor. I don't have the time to deal with that right now. I've got to wait till I have time. So it's me realizing that taking a literal half of a second to bend over and pick up that one hanger is what I need to do. Okay. So it's that excuse of, well, I don't have time right now to pick up one hanger and what's the big deal. It's one hanger, but then it becomes 25 hangers. And that's like totally scary when you trip over 25 hangers, it's scary when you trip over one. But anyway, my point is, is, um, to not let that, I don't have time be an excuse, but instead to say, okay, what, how long is this really going to take? And if I don't do it, how long is it going to cost me in the future? Um, one little thing that I specifically remember from reading the book, how not to be a messy, which I will link to that in the show notes. Um, this is a book that I read that my mother gave me, uh, at least, it's got, it's got to have been 10 years ago because I'm pretty sure it was, I don't know. It it was in a a house that we lived in and we've lived in this house. We've lived where we live now for, you know, nine years. So, um, it's, it has to have been over 10 years ago that I read this book and, um, I loved it. Like I loved the beginning part of it. I mean, I, I recommend it. The beginning part of it was, you know, all these different, um, messy mentalities. Like what kind of a messy are you? And I loved reading that because I loved reading about me and about my brain and feeling, oh, yay, you know, this person really gets it and everything. Um, Now, when I got to the actual part about what to do to change, I quit reading there because it was just completely overwhelming. And I was just like, I can't do that. Okay. Um, But uh, I did enjoy that part. But one of the things that I caught from it, and it's funny because my mother said she noticed the exact same thing in this book because I think she read it before she gave it to me because we do that in my family. But anyway, um, the part in it that struck me was her giving the example, and I don't remember which kind of a messy this is, but you could read it, but was giving the example of seeing one piece of paper on the floor and thinking, I've got to vacuum. That is so me. Instead of seeing one piece of paper on the floor and just picking up that one piece of paper so that you don't have to vacuum. Instead, I see one little piece of paper on the floor and I think, well, I've got to vacuum. Ugh, I don't have time to vacuum. But instead dealing with the one little piece of paper that's on the floor, that then means, oh, well, now my floor doesn't need to be vacuumed. It's just this weird mental thing. But looking at that as an excuse and not looking at it properly you know, as it's really only going to take me less than two seconds to bend over and pick up this piece of paper off the floor, which then lets my brain go, oh, well, okay, my floor's clean now. All right. But I don't tend to do that naturally. Um, okay. Other excuses. 
and this is one I use all the time. Oh my goodness. Um, if you know me personally and you come into my house on a regular basis, you know that you're not allowed in my master bedroom because, um, yeah, you just aren't. It's a really rare thing that that is uh, a space where I can leave the door open. But anyway, so my master bedroom, constantly a disaster. Um, when we do have people over, uh, adults, well, I don't even worry about the kids' rooms, you know, well, um, in this time when I was writing these posts on excuses was at the same time that I had my new appliances delivered and I was super excited to get new appliances in my kitchen. Um, couldn't wait. And, but it was a crazy, crazy week. And I had just, you know, picked up the parts of the house that I knew they would see. Like I tried to logically think through, okay, well, they're going to bring the appliances in. So they've got to be able to get through the dining room into the kitchen. I need to make sure my kitchen's clean. All that. Okay, great. Well, I didn't think about the fact that um, they were going to need to turn the electricity off to install the appliances. And um, so I had had that great excuse of, well, you know, they're not going to go in this space. All right. You know, they're not going to go in the bedrooms. So I'm not going to clean the bedrooms. That was a great reason, legitimate excuse. Why would I waste my time cleaning those bedrooms when they're not going to see them? Well, when you turn off the electricity, you need to get to the breaker box. In our house, the breaker box is in my boys' bedroom. (sighs) Not just in their bedroom, but in their closet. And so they had to go all the way in there. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've been burned by thinking, oh, well, they're not going to go in there. And then they end up going in there because I didn't think through every last little possibility that could happen. Um, But this also goes back to a real struggle that I have that's one of my main things I've tried to work on with this blog, and that is I tend to have this mentality that I'm only going to clean when there's a reason to clean, but then I get into this frustration of when I only wait for a reason, then all of a sudden when the reason happens, then I'm not ready and it's this huge disaster that that's, that's what my mentality used to be. You know, that whole project of, okay, somebody's coming over. So I'm going to clean the house instead of doing the daily stuff that allow me to just kind of make some extra touches when somebody's coming over. And I've gotten over that so much through the whole dishwashing habit, which I talk about in 28 days to hope for your home, my ebook of getting, you know, creating these four very, very basic little bitty habits that somehow keep the house out of complete disaster status. Um, but the truth is, um, my family is a real reason and motivation to keep my house under control. I want my family to be able to live comfortably in our home. And it's very wrong of me when I use the excuse of, oh, well, the people who don't live here aren't going to see that space anyway as a reason to not bother to clean it, as a reason to not bother to keep it, you know, decluttered and picked up. When I use that, but that's a, that's a natural thing that I fall into, oh, nobody's going to see that. Well, my family does. And the whole reason that I wanted to be at home was to provide a livable, comfortable home for me and for my family. I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. And so I get real frustrated with myself and it's a constant struggle. And that's ultimately what this whole blog is about is to provide a home 
that we can live in comfortably. And so I have to continually fight against that reason slash excuse of, oh, well, nobody's going to see that anyway and realize if we see it, then I want to have it under control. Okay. Because I don't realize until I've cleaned it up how much of a mental difference, a positive mental difference it makes to have those little spaces that only we see clean. Okay. Um, random thought here kind of about excuses. Um, it can be a real excuse for me to think, oh, well, it's just going to go back to being a disaster anyway. You know, that, that constant thing that happens in our home because of the way my brain works, because I get caught up in tunnel vision working on something else. And then the house goes back to disaster and the not seeing the incremental mess, you know, it can be a real legitimate feeling excuse to say, well, it's just going to go back to that way anyway. But my realization that, okay, this is going to happen to me more than it happens to the normal person, my house getting back into disaster status, but it is worth it to me. And it's important enough to me to try again and try again and try again, because every time I try again, it gets less that way the next time. The more I declutter out of my house, the less out of control my house ends up getting. If that makes any sense. The less stuff there is, the less of a stuff explosion is possible in my house. Okay. Um, but doing something always improves and it keeps me from going that much farther down the road of completely being overwhelmed. So it's not letting myself make, oh, well, it's just going to go back to being a disaster, be an excuse for me because it's always worth it when I do something. And every little thing, every five minutes that I spend doing a pickup over the whole house or every, um, I don't know, 30 minutes spent decluttering in the master bedroom makes a huge improvement, keeps me from going farther down the road of being overwhelmed and makes it better for our living situation here in our house. Okay. I'm going to end it there. Again, this is podcast number 30. I have to look at my notes. 38. Uh, and you can find the show notes for this if you go to aslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S. Also go to aslobcomesclean.com slash connect to find me on all my social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are on the internet, I probably am there too. So I would love to connect there with you. Don't forget too that for you, the listeners of A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast, um, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Listening to a podcast or an audiobook is a great way to get through a decluttering project. The Book Thief is one of the books that's available as an audiobook, and I personally loved that story. I read it last Christmas. Just a warning, though, it's a little bit weird at the beginning, but it gets better once you realize what's going on. So it's uh, set in um, World War II in Germany. Uh, it's a very interesting like I said, weird at the beginning, but it's a very interesting story that um, I highly recommend. So to download your free audiobook, there are lots of different choices today. Go to audibletrial.com slash slob. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash slob for your free audiobook. And thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next week. <laughs>